travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 21. Wow, we are into the 20s now. And this one is called Three Nights in Bangkok. And we came about this because we realized that we're often asked by friends, family, friends of friends, and friends of friends of friends. Often, you know, hey, I'm going to Bangkok for three nights or four days or somewhere around that time period. What are the best things to do? And I mean, this is a city of 10 million people, arguably one of the most dynamic, exotic, action-packed places on the planet. So we thought, why do we keep typing this stuff? Let's just tell our listeners about it. So this is Scott Coates from Kuala Lumpur. And as always, is my trusty co-host... Trevor Ranges in Bangkok, Thailand, the subject of our episode today. And Scott, you know, you're totally right. It's friends of friends and friends of friends of some guy we met one time in a bar... Um, always <laughs> passing through town, and my usual answer is go buy yourself a National Geographic Thailand guidebook, um, just because, unfortunately, we can't always meet everyone, and we can't always help everyone out. So I think this is a great episode, because uh, here you go. We can just tell people to, to go to www.talktravelasia and have a listen to what we're about to say. Yeah, and I literally have written out three- and four-day itineraries a gazillion times, and I did it about a month and a half ago. And then a friend here, while we were having a drink, said, you guys should do a Three Nights in Bangkok episode. And I was like, yes, this is perfect. I mean, everyone knows it is the city of angels. It absolutely blows your mind. I understand why people love it. I also completely understand why some people walk away hating the place. Because if you don't know how to attack it properly, it can be extremely frustrating. Yeah, I think it depends on what type of person you are. Uh, it's a great city just to just randomly wander around and get lost and, and really have an exciting time. But I, I can see how it can be very frustrating and overwhelming for people as well. Yeah, I mean, there's the obvious things you got to see. You absolutely have to see some of the palaces, some of the temples. I mean, it's incredible for food. There's time massage, there's nightlife. But you want to make sure you don't waste time when you have a limited amount of time. And and, you know, your impressions change over time. And actually, I wanted to, to ask you, Trevor, I mean, how long have you been living in Thailand or the area now? I've been in Bangkok just about 14 years now. Um, but I first came to Bangkok as a backpacker back in the 1990s. And I, re I really had no idea what to expect. I didn't do a lot of research uh, about Bangkok. And uh, I didn't know a whole lot about it. So when I, I showed up on the 4th of July, uh, I stayed over in the Khao San Road area. And I was like, hey, where should I go for the 4th of July? And I heard about a bar called Woodstock, uh, which turned out to be all <laughs> yeah. the way on the other side of the city. Uh, there was no right, SkyTrain right. or anything. So I took this really long tuk-tuk yeah. ride all the way across town um, to a place called Nana Plaza. Uh, and and yeah. I was so clueless that I didn't even know that Bangkok had red light districts, let alone that there was going to be a bar called Woodstock within one of them. Um, but Woodstock turned out to be a, a really cool bar, and uh, I, I actually had a pretty good time here. Yeah, and you know, I think of mine, like I deliberately moved to Thailand to start a travel business. I've been, she's really only for a couple of weeks before, so I kind of thought I knew it, but then I realized quickly I didn't. We stayed with a friend on the far eastern suburbs, 
And I went out to get a taxi to go downtown to meet a friend, and he told me, go down to Nana. And I remember I said Nana to multiple taxi drivers, and I could not get a taxi to understand me. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh my lord, like, I can't even get a taxi here anymore. And the taxi ride was so long to get there. I remember I walked in the Nana Hotel, and there was just weird smoke from street-side grills outside. I went in, and there was a parade of people going in and out. It turns out that that's the hotel where everyone goes to make special time with friends. And I just remember it was so bizarre and I never understood for probably eight months where I was in comparison to where I lived or where I'd been. And then it slowly takes shape and it really does change. And then it's funny how it becomes familiar. You know, what's funny actually is that we both mentioned Nana Plaza here and, and, and looking <laughs> at the notes when we prepared this episode, we didn't really talk about the Nana area. And I think it's one no. of the most interesting areas of town because there is this red light district. There's the, the community of Middle Eastern and African people. Yeah. There's the Marriott Hotel and Bumrungrad Hospital, which is one of the most popular uh, you know, tourism, medical tourism centers. It's just such an eclectic, sure. vibrant area with a great night market and great bars. And, uh, you know, even though we don't mention it later, I think just cruising down to Nana and walking around is, is a great way to kill a couple of hours in Bangkok. Yeah, I smell a future episode just on the Nana District. And actually, yeah. on that topic, it ties in perfectly to our sponsor. And that is a travel app called Greg's Bangkok. Now, Greg was on an earlier episode of Talk Travel Asia with us. Full disclosure, he's a very close friend. But he and some other people developed an iPhone app that turns your phone into a GPS-guided walking tour of some of Bangkok's most interesting, dynamic, and strange neighborhoods. And I actually bought it, and I knew all the areas he was going to, but he's got some different districts from Nana Plaza and the Old City and so forth. But there's a handful of really neat tours you throw on your headphones and he tells stories and he walks you through it and you just pause when you are walking and you can hit play when it tells you to hit play at certain points. And he just really gives you some really neat insider's info. It's only a couple bucks online and he was really kind enough to sponsor this. So if you want to know more about it, go to the uh, iTunes Apple Store, search for Greg's Bangkok or to go to app dot greg to differ dot com and greg has been kind enough to give us a complimentary app so the first person that sends us a message or a post on our facebook page that says i want greg's bangkok iphone app you're going to get it so thanks very much greg yeah, you know, I downloaded that app uh, in part just to support Greg, but, you know, for years I was working on different, uh, you know, mobile applications for travel and online travel sites and whatnot. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the ones that I downloaded for research aren't, are they really hit or miss, but, but Greg's was actually really good. You know, I'm glad I have it now because uh, it, it definitely would steer you in the right direction if you wanted to check out the Nana neighborhood, for example. Yeah, definitely worth a couple bucks. So before we get into specific itineraries and whatnot, we want to really throw out some things that we just think are good to keep in mind. Like we're going to assume for this episode that you have three nights in Bangkok. So day one is obviously arrival day. Day four is departure. You've got three nights. You want to make the most of your time. And we understand everyone has different tastes. So we just want to talk about a few different elements to consider. So Trevor, maybe what's the first one we were thinking is worth sharing? Well, I think we wanted to talk about just kind of the flow of the city and, and, and getting around. Um, right, flow. Yeah, because the city's a bit hectic and chaotic and the traffic can be a nightmare. 
Um, fortunately, there, there are a lot of different ways to get around the city, to beat the traffic. You can always jump on a motorbike taxi. Um, of course, there's tuk-tuks, but you kind of have to beware a little bit of those. But there's also canals where you can take boats around the city. So one of the things I think is important for people who are planning trips is to kind of decide on, on what area of the city they're going to stay in, um, depending on what kind of sites and things they want to do. You know, if you want to do a lot of shopping, you might want to stay more towards the center of the city, which is also along the BTS SkyTrain line. Um, but if people are into like the temples and the, the Grand Palace and that, maybe they want to stay over on the, the old side of the city, which doesn't have a train line over there, but you can do a lot of walking tours and you have the river to get you around to some of the sites. Yeah, flow is all it. I mean, this is a city that's famous for gridlock traffic. And the other side of that coin that I love about Bangkok now not living there is I look back and I go, well, if you're in traffic in a taxi, you just jump on a motorcycle or you get on the canal boat or you walk or you get a tuk-tuk. Or... So you got to just take patience and, and flow along with it. And actually, on that note, to learn a little bit more about Bangkok, people should go back to episode five, Bangkok Scams hustles and tourist traps to make sure they don't get stuck in any of those, right? That's yeah, because just mentioning like tuk-tuks there and, and some of the taxis are kind of tricksters too. So it actually does pay to go back and listen to that episode so that you avoid uh, wasting your time by getting driven around by some con man. Yeah, and the next one is one of my favorites. The, I call it the three-person rule. And I, this is kind of, I really think it, it's more prevalent in Buddhist places like Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar. And this is just my theory, but I think Buddhists don't want to disappoint you. And Thais especially, they just don't want to disappoint. So rather than you saying, oh, hey, do you know where the Grand Palace is? And they don't. They'll, they'll just make something up. They'll say, oh, it's just down there. Hey, do you know what time the pharmacy closes? Ooh, it closes at five. If they don't know, they'll give you an answer. And, and it's just because they really, they feel worse not being able to help you out. And they'd rather just at least make an attempt or make something out to feel that they tried to offer you some value. And for Westerners, that's such a bizarre concept, but it really applies. So my rule of thumb has always been ask three people. And if two out of three people give you the same answer, well, then that's worth trying out. And if somebody is very quick to respond and seems very confident, that that is good. But don't necessarily think three will do it either. It might become the five or six person rule too. Yeah, I, I think it's funny that you say that because I've always found that, <laughs> number one, if Thai people don't know the answer to your question, um, usually because they don't understand what you're saying, they will often just right. say yes. So, so yeah. if you ask, which, yes. which way is it to the Grand Palace? They'll say yes. yes. Or what time does the Grand Palace open? Yeah, they'll yes. say yes. So like, it's, it can be frustrating and, and it can be kind of funny. Um, you just have to, again, Thai people are very lighthearted and keep a, a lighthearted mind yourself. Um, the other thing I've found is that Thai people are generally not very good at, at reading maps or giving directions in general. Um, For yeah, sure. So if somebody tells you where to go or if you hand them the map, they're usually going to turn it around and around and around a few times. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely just can't just ask somebody and then they tell you and you're like, perfect, I found my way. That, that will happen sometimes, but uh, yeah, you know, just don't expect the most helpful help. They'll, they'll be nice. You'll get some very friendly help, but it won't necessarily be helpful. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, on the map end, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but a local Thai person told me this once. He said, look, he said at the moment, like newer generations will be quite good at maps, but he said, you've got to look at the fact that 
older people or people old enough to be your parents, our education system wasn't that great. We didn't actually grow up like you Westerners driving cars with paper maps. So what you said about maps is absolutely right. But the next point is one of kind of my, my favorites, that people, until they come, and come to not even just Bangkok, but Southeast Asia in general, they always think it's dangerous. So tell us a bit about why it's not dangerous. Um, well, again, I think just, again, you mentioned earlier the fact that Thai people and the people in the region are Buddhist. They generally don't want to steal from you because it will give them bad karma. Um, so I think that the religion certainly plays into the fact that they're not necessarily going to, to try and hurt you. Hmm. Now, I know that lately there have been a lot of high profile crimes that have been occurring here in Thailand. There, there were some murders down in the island and whatnot. Um, right. But but I mean, when I was living in Los Angeles, there was a headline news story one day that no one was murdered in Los Angeles the day before. <laughs> you know, so I mean. For the most part, uh, yeah, and, and in Cambodia, let's say, somebody might steal your bag or something like that, but but incidences of physical violence are, are very rare. I think that most Thai people are not aggressive, and unless you are the one to, prov to provoke them, um, in which case you might deserve to get your ass kicked anyway, um, you're probably not going to get in any sort of danger um, unless you're walking down a dark alley by yourself at 3 a.m., you know, and, and you just use some common sense and you should be safe here. Yeah, you know, even saying that, I, I mean, bad things can happen anywhere in the world and it is time and circumstance, but 14 years living in Bangkok, I did walk down dark alleys at 3 and 4 a.m. Sure. and never had anything happen. And, you know, ties are extremely tolerant. I can think of one time where I saw a foreigner get punched a couple times, and it was on uh, Call Cement. There was fire jugglers, local bartenders that get down and they juggle fire on the beach. They do their show. And this one Westerner was loaded. He kept getting up and getting in the middle of their show over and over. And those guys couldn't have been any more patient until finally at one point the guy just punched him once. And it was like, I tell you what, you would never get that patience anywhere in the West. And looking at your notes, you bring up two people that are definitely not worth pushing or starting, you know, problems with. And those are taxi drivers and the police. Like police are a really, I mean, they'll help you, but it's a tight knit club. Like you do not want to get on the wrong side of them and taxi drivers. Like taxi drivers can turn on a dime. And if, if you ever have a problem with them, you know, you just think like, oh, hang on, here's where I want to get out. Smile, be nice. It's always worth paying an extra hundred baht, which is like $3 US. Like just don't get in arguments with those people. Yeah, I think so. I, I totally agree. I know the next one is one that I love and I, because I can't say no, and that's eating it up. Like literally when you're in Thailand, you've got to eat it up. And I know a lot of people are resistant to eat street food. They see weird stalls. They see the chicken hanging on the hook. They're like, how's that meat not gone bad? But I, I, I've only ever really gotten truly sick at proper restaurants You've got to sit down. You've got to eat the bowl of noodles. You've got to dive into the curries. You've got to, if there's people sitting somewhere eating, try it. If you don't like it, it's only a dollar or two. Forget about it. But you've got to eat it up, huh? Yeah, and I think uh, in a little bit, we're going to talk about some specific restaurant recommendations before we get into giving our itineraries. But yeah, I think, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Thai food is one of the top attractions in Thailand. And uh, Absolutely. I mean, it... it I eat on the street. You eat on the street. We love Thai street food. That's where you're going to get the most authentic 
street food. And whether it's, you know, poor Thai people, middle class Thai people, rich Thai people, they all love the authentic Thai food that you can get from a street stall. Um, but that yeah. said, some people are going to have some stomach issues and, and you might want to be a little careful on your first couple of days. So when we do give recommendations, we're going to give you some, uh, some places where you can get good Thai food that's going to be relatively safe for your stomach, depending on how well you can handle spicy food. But, you know, you got to take some risks. You got to try some, some meat on a stick just because there's some great, there's <laughs> some great treats. I mean, there's no end to the amount of different types of Thai food that you can find all over the city at any given time of day. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to just slide from there right then into the sites. I mean, we're going to go through our personal itineraries that we recommend, but, you know, we don't know what our listeners like to do. There's people that like, you know, super activity and high adventure and so forth. So we just want to run through a few things that we really enjoy that we've taken friends and families to do and that you must do. And my first one is ride the commuter boat on Klong Sen Seb. And Klong Sen Seb is Thailand's longest canal. And for part of it from the eastern suburbs of Bangkok to downtown and then to the old city, to Ratonakosin Island, they basically have a, a long boat and it can hold 100 plus people. It's very cheap and it just goes and stops at little piers along the way. And every time my dad comes to Bangkok, he's like, I gotta ride the boat. It's A, a great way to get around because there's no traffic, but it's just a fantastic like look into true Thai life. You see women in high heels and like a business suit going to work. You just see a little bit of everything. You see slum neighborhoods that are actually quite clean and done well. So it's it's a great way to get a pulse of Thai life, but also to get from somewhere like Central World in, you know, the center of downtown Bangkok to um the Golden Mount, where the old city is. So that's one of my picks. How about you, Trevor? What would you really recommend? Well, I want to say that I, I definitely agree with that. I'd say one in four people that come and visit here, and I, I catch them on day three or four, they have mm-hmm. stumbled across the, the canal boat there, and they've ridden it, and they loved it. Like, everybody cool. loves the experience. Now, somebody who did it recently didn't realize that you need to pull the string next to your seat to raise the... Because <laughs> the, the water is just this disgusting, dark, yeah. grayish, black. black. Yeah. And you'll see people like floating in it, brushing their teeth, and then you'll see like a dead rat or something like that, and kids playing in it. Right? <laughs> but but this guy didn't pull the string, and, and he got a splash full of water in the face when a boat came by the other way. Um, but but he still yeah. loved it. He still had a great experience, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Similarly, um, although also very different, is the back alleys of Yawarat, uh, Bangkok's Chinatown. Yeah. Um, yeah. People think, oh, you know, I've been to Chinatown. Oh, or, oh, I've been to China, so they don't need to go to Yawarat. But, but Yawarat, like those, those back alleys, like Sampang Lane and, and, and just getting lost in the alleyways of, of the heart of Chinatown is really fascinating. It's just such a different side of the city uh, that I think is really enjoyable to explore. Yeah, I remember. I don't think I actually went to Yawarat for the first couple of years because I thought, oh, they had Chinatown in Calgary, Canada, where I was from. But you go down and it is big. It is re- literally where trade and commerce kind of began. In, in Bangkok. And what I love nowadays is that you, if I mean, if you've got a smartphone, open Google Maps and literally pick the smallest, tiniest looking little passageway. And Google Maps almost has them all. And just say walk from Yawarat Road, which is the main thoroughfare. And I like to turn down Soy 9. And right on that corner of Soy 9, there's a great place to eat ribs. We'll touch on that later. But then just follow it out. And you can kind of follow it all the way, try and make your way to Rachawong Pier 
which is right along the Chao Praia River, and there's a big boat stop there. But just using Google Maps, pick the smallest lanes and you can do it. It's really, really super cool. And uh, yeah, absolutely, there's, there's more things we could tell you. And in fact, you know, if you're really curious, send us a message on Facebook at Happily Reply, and I'm sure you would too, Trevor. But Yamarat, both day and night, is fantastic. Daytime, lots of commerce, bulk goods, wholesale things being sold, some food, nighttime, it's all about food. So definitely go to Yowarat. Yeah, I was saying that I prefer early in the morning or late in the afternoon or, or at night just because Bangkok can get really hot. And uh, although you're going to be in the shade a lot in those little back alleys of Yowarat, like you don't really want to be strolling through them in the middle of the day. You know what? That said, I go in the middle of the day sometimes because I want specific restaurants that are only open then. Or on Sanpang Lake, some of the shops are only open then. But you're right, it's, it's smoking hot. Yeah. Other uh, places to go, I think, at night, uh, along the riverside, uh, between Sapan Taksin mm. and Sapan Put, uh, there's a, that yeah. iron bridge that was built back in the 1930s is really fascinating. And there's a really cool, uh, night market right around there. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. They sell like jeans and t-shirts. That's where all like the cool, like 17 to 20 year olds hang out. Yeah. It's kind of a Thai hipster hangout. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. And what I love on that bridge is it actually was built um, to open up to allow boats to pass. It was opened in uh, 1932, which strangely is when Thailand changed from an absolute to a constitutional monarchy. And it's a great spot to see architecture from because you'll see a big white jetty, and that's like typical Sri Lankan style, very typical in Thailand one. Then you'll see Wat Arun way in the distance, which is the Temple of the Dawn, and it's very much in Khmer style. And then there's another big building in between, which is very much like a Thai traditional temple so like you can't get three better more big beautiful examples of those and I always love just kind of picking my way from the iron bridge north sticking to the warehouses along the river and the main street and along the main street is the famous Paklong Palat which is the big famous flower market but then what's worth doing is is literally forking into the warehouses and depending when you go you'll just see people like moving insane amounts of vegetables and peeling things. And it's fantastic. And cats too. There's, I guess because of all the vegetables and stuff, there must be lots of rats or there would be lots of rats, except that there's cats everywhere that seem to, to like hanging out with all the vendors selling the food back in there. Yeah. And then I'm just going to like, this is far too quick for people to really make value of it. But as, as you walk north along the road, you'll get to the corner wall of Wat Pole. And if you fork a left towards the river, you'll find a place called Arun Residence. Go up to the top floor. There's a really sweet little bar called Amarosa, which is opposite Wat Arun. After that, grab a tuk-tuk. Get the guy to take you to Lak Mulam, which is the city pillar. You get great views of the Grand Palace. Then go up to uh, Royal Square. There's a statue of Rama V on a horse. Then go over to Wat Benjamin Bo Pit, the Marble Temple. That's like a great little kind of 40-minute loop to do in Tuk Tuk. Yeah, and again, like walking along the river, we left out a whole bunch of sites. I mean, the, the post office is a cool building. Sure. I mean, there's just so many there's so many oh, interesting yeah. things around there. And, and this, again, that whole riverside area from Sapan Taksin all the way up to like the Grand Palace area. There's the Buddha amulet market. Like, you walk along the sidewalk and there's yeah. just, they sell all sorts of different Buddha amulets and all sorts of secondhand goods just right on the sidewalk. And Again, you could spend hours just, just walking along that, that riverside and, and seeing all sorts of fascinating things. Yeah. Now, for market lovers, I mean, we're going to talk quickly about two markets. And I know most people will have heard about one. Why don't you tell us about kind of the must-see market? Uh, well, the must-see market is JJ Market, which uh, is an abbreviation for Chatuchak, 
which is the famous weekend market mm-hmm. in Bangkok. And now JJ right. has actually gotten pretty hip on Friday nights. So if you happen to be in town on a Friday night and you want oh, to do some shopping, JJ is actually pretty happening on Friday nights as well as on the weekend. And that's kind of good too, because again, like going to JJ market, you want to go early in the morning. Otherwise it can get really hot and crowded in there. Yeah. And I think that thing gets like a couple hundred, a thousand visitors in a day. And then up that same way in the Chaduchak area, is one that started maybe like six years ago and it's really become like pretty hip and I hate to use the word hipster but like it's called Palat Rotfai which means the train market and there's just all kinds of like food and drinks but then like it's kind of like a a yard sale isn't it like there's old records there's old shoes like I saw roller skates there it's really pretty bizarre. Yeah, I think recently uh, the Talat Rot Phai market had to move, and then and then more recently now there's a Talat Rot Phai two market that just opened. So we're gonna have to give some links to uh, people at the end of the show notes so that they can find some of these new night markets. Because uh, yeah, it, it's very cool, and there's all sorts of cool markets to go and see. But but some of them can be tricky to get to. Getting to JJ Market is a snap, but getting to Talat Rot Phai or Talat Rot Phai two. Uh, might be a little trickier for for your visitor who doesn't really know what they're doing. Yeah, well, I think we should move on to like massage and activities and food and stuff. But I want to quick one quick quick one in here. If you need to get out of the city, if you're like I have to see authentic floating markets, make a full day of it. Contact somebody that knows what they're doing. Uh, a company I helped co-found, SmilingAlbino.com. You could go down to Takha Floating Market. It's southeast of the city. Uh, or southwest rather, by about an hour and a half. On the weekends, you can see a true authentic floating market. Bomb over then to Ampawa, which is kind of a modern take on one, but really nice. Then you can take a boat ride on the Mekong River, which uh, has like an old Portuguese church on it. Get off at the railway station, and there you'll see a railway market where people actually sell stuff on the tracks, and then four times a day when trains come and go, they move it all quickly, ride the old train part of the way back to Bangkok and have a van pick you up. Not something you're going to do on your own, but if someone can arrange it and you want to see that stuff, it's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Lots of people hear about the floating markets and they always want to go to the floating markets Mm. and then they end up going to one of the really touristy ones. So I agree with you here and I know Smiling Albino does great tours in general. So I recommend if people want to go to a floating market to take your advice on this one. Okay, now let's move through a couple sections and bomb through. I love time massage. You should do it. Where should they go, Trevor? Um, you know, we're going to talk about like Wat Po, which is next to the Grand Palace. That's where the reclining Buddha is. They yeah. have a massage school there. Um, a lot of people think it's great. Um, I'm more partial to getting the herbal compress massage. And herbal yeah. compress is like a, it's kind of this cloth that they wrap around all sorts of different herbs and spices. And then they steam them in kind of like a dim sum cooker. And then yeah. after giving you a massage with like some kind of tiger bomb kind of heating element, then they'll like knead this the steaming, smelly, awesome, warm thing all over your back and your legs and your arms. And it's one of the most relaxing experiences. Yeah, those are awesome. I love them. I'll say I'm not a fan of Watpo Massage. The main reason, they charge more for foreigners. But places I do love is one called Ruan Nuit. It's on Soi Convent, so very close to the Saladang BTS station on Soi Convent, opposite B&H Hospital. Two-hour Thai massage, 600 baht or 20 US dollars. It's like almost a 100-year-old wooden house. All the masseuses are the real deal. Conversely, if you're on Sukhumvit Road, I really like a place at the back of Sukhumvit 33, which is littered with happy massages. But at the back, 
Rakuten is kind of run by Japanese, but they do really nice foot massage too. Hmm, that sounds great because that uh, one on Soy Convent isn't too far from my office. Uh, oh. But you also made a good point that two hours is the standard time to give a proper Thai massage. Um, yeah. And pe- some people are also a little like Thai massage is not 100% just like relaxing, pampering. Uh, mm-hmm. It can tort you into some difficult positions. And in the end, you'll feel great. But you just have to realize that it's kind of a form of passive yoga where they stretch you into some positions to try and work through these energy lines in your body. Maybe we should do an episode just about Thai massage sometime, too. Yeah, that's a really good topic. It is pleasure and pain and absolutely two hours. I can remember when I was in the tour business. You'd tell people, oh, a full cycle is two hours. I'd be like, no, that's way too much. And at the end, everyone was like, I can't believe that was two hours. And then the one person who was like, no, I just want an hour. When the hour was up, they were like, ah, man, I want two hours. But you've blown it because they can do another hour, but they just repeat what they've done because the full cycle is two hours, right? Yeah. So activities. We could talk about a ton. I know yours is a really interesting one. Tell us about it, because I never would have thought of this, but it's a great one. Yeah, if you like to shoot pool, and we're talking billiards here, right? Nine ball, eight ball, straight pool. Uh, If you like to shoot pool, you are in for a treat in Bangkok, Mm -hmm. because uh, the girls who work in the pool halls, and there's a number of pool halls all over the city, uh, particularly along Sukhumvit Road, um, Mm -hmm. and some of them are in kind of red light areas, like on, on Nana Road there. Right. Um, the girls who play in these pool halls, all they do all day is shoot pool. And there's some serious pool sharks in there. Yeah. Um, one of the places we, we like to go sometimes for live music, if you want to see Isan country music, there's a place called Hillary Bar on Nana. Yeah, it's and great. They have some great pickup games. you got to put your name up on a chalkboard. And it's not just Thai girls. It's all sorts of expats and foreigners. And, and you're going to get a good game in there for sure, man. you got to bring your A game to stay on that table. Yeah, I love that you put this in because I never would have thought about it. And like I play once in a while, but not good enough to really play there. But that's just also a great way to meet people and have a fun night. Now, Mm. mine's going to be the opposite side of the coin, and that's get on a bike. And Grasshopper, full disclosure again, friends of ours that owned it, but they do a lot of really great bike tours. And I think half day is a good amount. And they do ones that will take you around the old city at night. But then my favorites are they'll just take you over the river from the city and you'll see like rural areas and canal areas. So that's kind of one I really love. But let's get right into really why we're all here. And that's eating, Trevor. Where should we eat? Um, yeah, you know, we have a little bit of a short list here. And and I think we, we hit some pretty good ones here. First of all, we talked about like just straight up Thai food. Uh, we mm. did an episode. We did episode, I think it was number six. 15 maybe that was our, our favorite foods of southeast asia mm. and i think we mentioned both of these places there's soy polo chicken yeah and and som tam nua both mm. of which are, are thai food and mostly thai clientele but definitely safe for your foreign visitor who who isn't accustomed to eating street thai food yeah and you're going to get these places serve isan food and this is northeastern thai food so you're going to get things like grilled and or fried chicken you're going to eat sticky rice and dip it in uh, somtan, which is papaya salad. You're going to have things like lap and namtok, which are chicken and or pork kind of minced meats with cilantro and lime juice. Awesome. Now, I'll go high so on my next one, and that is face. Pricey. It's on Sukhumvit Soy 38, but if you want a nice dinner out, this is a place that has an Indian restaurant and a Thai restaurant in incredibly beautiful wooden Thai buildings. It's kind of Western prices, but the food is tasty. It's a great atmosphere. I love it. 
Yeah, it's a great date venue. I live just a block away from there, and uh, I had been to the bar many times because mm-hmm. it is beautiful. It's these it's these old wooden houses that are connected by wooden walkways, and it's super romantic. Um, so I love to hang out at the bar. They have like a piano or a jazz band playing. But I actually just ate there for the first time recently, and it was outstanding. It was great. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe that was your first time. You know what? You should also, they also have Japanese food. They have really good Japanese food there as well. Yeah. I ate Japanese once there and it was fantastic. I had, first time I ever had real wasabi. Like it's a root that grows in cool water streams. And of course it's super expensive, but the guy, I cut some out and rolled it up in uh, in a little kappa kind of thing. And oh man, it was incredible. Yeah, and then sticking on the Thai food a little bit, I think most of the ones we recommended here are Thai. There's a place called Supaniga, which mm. is on which is on Tonglaw Road, and yeah. I, I took you there when you guys uh, came up to Bangkok last year. Yeah, and great. Uh, again, that's kind of it's kind of. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a Western atmosphere, maybe. It's a yeah. nicer kind of restaurant, and it's kind of uh, a little bit pricier, a little more high-quality ingredients, but you're still getting very standard-style Thai dishes. And because most of their clients are Thai, the prices aren't outrageous because Thai people wouldn't pay outrageous amounts for eating Thai food. It just happens to be good Thai food that's slightly more expensive than your average Thai food. Yeah, I remember dishes being, say, six, seven, eight U.S. dollars a dish. And, you know, yeah. while they had some staples that I really know and like, there was a number of them on there that were just a little different, too. And been there twice. Thank you for introducing me to it. It's a place I'll definitely go back to. So why don't you just throw one more in there for us, Trevor? Yeah, I actually had a couple because I wanted to mention them for when people are over in the Khaosan Road or the Grand Palace, kind of the, the old city right. part of town. They're Hem- Hemlock and Seven Spoons. Now, Hemlock, I think, is great because they open at 4 p.m. So if you want to get an early dinner, um, that's a really good place to, to get some good Thai food in a very clean, modern kind of setting. And then Seven Spoons, which is this really great restaurant that serves kind of international Thai fusion cuisine. Um, but they're open for lunch, so that's a great place to get lunch when you're over in that Grand Palace area and you need to get some air con and, and grab a bite to eat. Hmm. You know what? I've never been to either of those and I've never heard of them. So wow. I've got places to go when I go next time. Well, let's quickly touch on something that we've actually kind of covered in an episode, but drinking. And we'll do this real quick. Some notes will be in the show notes. Drinking. I always love cheap Charlie's. Sukhumvit Soy 11. Go in about 200 meters. The little alley on your left. Opened like 20 years ago. Drinks were 30 baht then. They're about 70 baht now. They have a great stock bar, and it's literally like a yard sale bar tacked onto the side of a wall in an alley. Everyone's there from simple people to high. So, great way to start a night. What's your pick, Trevor? Um, you know, it's funny because if you want to see something that's like kind of Thai, uh, Soy Cowboy, which is one of the red mm. light districts. Mm-hmm. It's a red light district, so it's a little bit, well, you know what, compared to, let's say, Nana or Pat Pong, it's the least dodgy of the lot. And there's a bar at the end of Soy Cowboy that's called the Old Dutch. It's a restaurant, and they have yeah. some outdoor seating, and it's not a girly bar whatsoever. It's just a, it's just a restaurant, but they have outdoor seating, and it's right at the end of Soy Cowboy, and you can sit there and people watch, and it's a really great spot to just watch the action go by. Yeah, that's a great point, you know. There's been multiple times and I've ended up in go-go bars for whatever reason, and I've always hated people kind of being in there gawking and making it awkward. And if you want to see kind of that scene, Soy Cowboy, like you've said, it's a place. And there's a bar, I can't remember the name, but they have little tables outside and they serve Guinness Draft. And I love that. It's a great place just to sit and watch. So that is fantastic. 
Now, yeah, that's the shadow bar. It's called it, shadow bar. Oh, is it yeah. shadow bar? Yeah, I, I like it. It's just I like Guinness, and so it's it's a good place to kind of get both of both best of both worlds. Part. Good people watching. Yeah, I already mentioned Amorosa, uh, a topper room residence. You had another one that you like for Riverside drinks on the Chow Brea, right? Um, I recently went to a place called Sheepshank, mm-hmm. and Sheepshank is right on the river, directly south of Prasumen. And Prasumen is this park that has the remnants of a fortress that used right. to surround the old city. Mm-hmm. So if, if you follow the river up uh, north of the Grand Palace, like eventually you'll get to this park with this old fortress right there. And if you just hang a left back, head south right there on the river, there's a place called Sheepshank, and that's a really cool little venue for riverside drinks if you're in that area. Um, Scott, I also noticed that that you mentioned scene space because I think like when we're talking about nightlife, nightlife, like Bangkok mm-hmm. is famous for its nightlife, and Tong Law, like the Tong Law area, is yeah. definitely the the upscale happening nightlife, drinking and dining area. Uh, scene space, which you mentioned, is where brew and clouds, and it's this big open courtyard with a whole bunch of different bars. It's it's happening seven nights a week, and and I definitely think that that's a good recommendation. But I also wanted to throw in there Sway. Have you been to Sway? Yeah, I think I may have been with you. I went to Bangkok last August on my birthday, and I we went there and we had wings and we had some craft beer, and it, yeah, it was a pretty sweet place. Yeah, it's owned by a pair of Canadian guys who organize fun events like beer pong and stuff like that. Um, so it's a, it's a good place to socialize with some other foreigners. But what I think is cool about Sway is that it's in this complex that has all of these kind of high society nightclubs and bars. So yeah. you'll see Ferraris and Lamborghinis and you'll see all these girls like dressed, you know, decked out in super short skirts and high heels and all done up to go out and dance and party. And you're definitely going to see a different side of Bangkok if you go on to Sway and sit outside and, and just watch the, the, the crowd go by. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we've kind of almost vomited out our favorites here. Now, we want to kind of wrap up this episode by giving our own perfect three nights in Bangkok. So, Trevor, I'm going to throw the challenge out to you. Give us a quick overview of Trevor's perfect three nights in Bangkok. All right. Now, I don't know if this is going to be perfect because... Uh, it better be I perfect. Know. I mean, there's so much to do in the city and, and we're kind of hitting on some of the things. Like, I'm not that huge a fan of a, the Grand Palace and it costs like 500 baht mm-hmm. now, which I think is outrageous. Oh, really? Yeah, but, but I think, you know, everybody wants to see it. If, if you're not going to go see like Angkor Wat and something that's just going to blow your mind, like the Grand Palace is a part of Thai history and Thai culture. And, and so you do need to check it out. So that caveat aside, here we go. Day one. Day one, we're going to assume that you arrive uh, in the afternoon, okay? Okay. I think that you should stay in the old city as most of the sightseeing attractions are in that old side of town. So staying at where you mentioned earlier, Sala Arun or the Siam. Those are two hotels that are top options at the high end. Right. And uh, there's there's a hotel called Ibis. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a bit to the south on the, the opposite side of the river, and right. a place called The Fort, which is oh. right near uh, Pratit Road and, and Prasumen, the fort I was talking about earlier, that are good low-end places. Great area. So if you land in the afternoon and you're staying over in that area, I say the first thing that you do is go and get a massage. You know, you've been on an airplane for 12 hours. You get a two-hour time massage. You can take a little bit of a nap. You can relax a little bit. You can work the joints, the kinks out in, in your legs and everything. And then from there... You know, go and find one of the riverside bars we recommended for a sunset drink or go to a rooftop bar and enjoy the sunset. 
for dinner, I'd say go Thai, but try to play a little bit safe on your first night. Go to one of the recommended places that we said that cost a little bit more. If you're staying on Sukhumvit, maybe you could go to Sukhumvit Soy 38, which is opposite mm-hmm. Tonglaw, because they have very farong friendly or foreign friendly Thai food. Right. Day two. Get up early, go to the Grand Palace as early as possible. When you get there, if you meet a tuk-tuk driver and he tells you it's closed, it's not closed. Don't listen to the (laughs) tuk-tuk driver, yeah? Yeah. Go to the Grand Palace, check out the Temple of the Emerald Buddha, then go south to Wat Po. And uh, we mentioned that you can get a short massage there. Maybe you just want to get a 15-minute massage just to try the experience. Um, Then, since you're in that neighborhood, and if you're into it, I say check out some of the museums. Um, I'm a big fan of the National Museum. Mm-hmm. has some really cool works of art, not just from Thailand, but from around the region, right. uh, throughout the entire history. Very cool. Okay. Um, then I said maybe you could take a ferry boat up to Prasumen Park, the park I mentioned earlier, and grab lunch at uh, Seven Spoons or an early dinner at uh, Hemlock, depending on what time of day it is there. Right. Um, the Khaosan Road area, that's like backpacker central for Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. If you take a stroll up Soy Rambu Tree and you check yeah. out the Khaosan Road area, um, it's a pretty cool neighborhood to check out. There's a temple right there uh, that's opposite Khaosan Road. And uh, it's just a, it's an interesting aspect of Bangkok. Yeah, great stuff. Um, yeah, then I was thinking maybe you go down to Amorosa for a sunset dinner or sunset drinks. I'm not a fan of the restaurant there, but no. I think that it's it's a good place for drinks. Um, nearby at Ta Tien Pier, there's a restaurant just above the pier that does like local style fish, and you can get some cheap beers there. If you it's crazy fun there food. too. Yeah, I like that place. Then I was thinking since you're over on the riverside, you take a tuk-tuk south down to Asiatique, which is this new night market right on the waterfront. Mm-hmm. And there you can go check out Joe Louis Puppet Theater, oh. uh, which is a traditional Thai puppetry. And, and that's a really cool cultural experience. And there's also the Calypso Ladyboy Cabaret, uh-huh. uh, which you could alternatively see depending on what your cultural interests are. <laughs> Finally, I think uh, you could probably cruise up to Pat Pong if you want to go to the night market there, if you want to have a peek at uh, some of the little red light district action going on. But again, I would refer you back to episode number five, Bangkok's Scams, Hustles, <laughs> and Tourist Traps, before you go into one of these nightclubs. Yes. Morning three. Um, if you're game for getting up early because you didn't party too hard the night before, I say go to visit that authentic floating market that you mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Or if it's a weekend, go up to JJ Market and uh, do some shopping at JJ Market. Or there's a park just north of JJ Market where you can have a picnic or you can rent a bike and, and ride around a little bit. There's a good pool there, too, for kids. Yeah, there's actually like a exploratorium, like a little kids museum, which is actually pretty interesting, too. Um, then I think uh, you go back to your hotel, maybe chill at the pool, get a nap or a massage. And then in the afternoon, late afternoon, I say you go down to Yawarat, Bangkok's Chinatown, and you turn on your iPhone and you open up Greg's travel guide app and you let Greg give you a tour of Chinatown. Yeah. Um, you know, before getting some Thai food for dinner. And then I think since this is your third night, you, you hit the town hard. Bangkok's known for its nightlife. Listen to some of our nightlife recommendations. I think uh, episode 17 was favorite watering holes of Asia. And you can have a listen to that and find some more places to go out and party. And then on day four, maybe you can relax by the pool, go to a spa. Um, if you like going to the movies, Bangkok's got some really cool movie theaters. Movies are way cheaper here. The seats are much more comfortable. They serve beer. Um, 
I, I also think you might want to do some shopping. Bangkok's famous for shopping. You can go to Platinum if you're into clothes, Pantip mm-hmm. Plaza if you're into IT stuff. Siam Square is just like this ultimate shopping mecca and uh, one place I wanted to mention in there is this really cool movie poster shop and this guy he sells new and classic movie posters that are both in Thai and English language and uh, it's a really cool souvenir man I deliberately didn't read your notes for your three night trip and it's awesome because it is awesome recommendations and a lot of them aren't on mine that's good I mean, that's what I'm saying there's so many things to do like I don't know if that's the perfect three days uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys say alright let's get into it day one I say get out and walk some streets now Bangkok is not a great city to walk sidewalks and they have holes in them it's hot as hell but pick a point to walk to that's maybe a kilometer or two away because I think anywhere in the world you go just seeing what you see on the way to somewhere is awesome try and get some food at Foodland now Foodland are a series of grocery stores in Bangkok, but most of them have little restaurants. And it's very much the equivalent of like the Greasy Spoon 50s, 60s diner. They have a little bit of Western food, which is very so-so, but their Thai food is awesome. I love it. So you've arrived, grab some food, get a Thai massage somewhere. Look up one of the spots we recommended, get a massage, then have a nap, then go out for dinner at either Supaniga or Sukhumvit 38, then go for drinks at Cheap Charlie's, and then just see how you feel and go where the wind blows you. So that's day one. Day two, some point, get on that canal boat and ride the Klong Sanseb canal to the old city and then walk down the main Royal Avenue to the Grand Palace. Like Trevor said, you gotta see it. Then move over to Wat Po. It's Bangkok's biggest temple, but when you go in there, you're gonna see the golden reclining Buddha. After that, Go in some of the little other passageways. It's really easy to get away from tourists. You can see where the monks live. It's a huge place and most people don't really explore it. Then you got to slide over somehow to soy polo chicken. It's not really in that area, but man, it is incredible. It's opposite Lumpini Park, the fried chicken, the Isan foods, incredible. Another massage. You see a theory or a, a habit developing here. <laughs> get a massage every no, day. No, but that's great advice because you get out of the sun yeah. and you get to get pampered yeah. and it's super cheap. Yeah. Yeah, the thing great. is, a lot of massage places too will have a shower. So if you're like, oh, I'm super sweaty, I'm stinky, don't worry. And they're not going to think it's weird. They'll give you a towel. You can go in, you have a rinse off, then you have it. No, that's good advice. I, I want to put. I, I'll, I want to time out you real quick here because when I used to do a lot of research for travel writing in the city, I would sometimes bring like an extra T-shirt in my bag or an extra pair of shorts, even socks, and go for a massage, get a shower, change your clothes. Then you don't have to go back to your hotel. Yeah, absolutely. So then you're going to go have sundown drinks, maybe at a rooftop bar. We didn't really mention them here, but there's a lot of them. Pick one close to your hotel. On that note, hotel, I'm going to go against Trevor, and I'm going to say stay in the Sukhumvit area, anywhere sort of between Nana and Asok, I think are top areas. Go for a couple drinks. At the end of the night at Soy Cowboy, I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse here, but Soy Cowboy, the end of the night, people watch. If you're up for a taxi ride and it's a weekend, go to Talat Rotfai, the railway market in the north, and if you want some live music, it's it's an old classic. Go to saxophone around... Uh, Victory Monument area. There's always decent bands playing there. Lots of ties. It's a great place. Now, day three. Either a trip out of the city to the floating markets, Mekong River, like we talked about. If you don't do that, then head down to Yawarat, Bangkok's Chinatown in the daytime. Have some food on the little restaurant on the corner of Yawarat, Soy 9. 
They do incredible ribs in a gravy. Double boiled soups are awesome. The pig's belly is great. Then grab the boat from Ratchawong Pier, head south down to Sapantaxin Station. Then go get another massage. <laughs> so you're going three for three here. Treat yourself, it's your last night. Go to Face for dinner. And then, you know what, I'm going to say go to Scene Space or anywhere on Tonglaw. Because Face, Soy 38 is opposite Tonglaw. You could literally jump out of the taxi anywhere on Tonglaw and find a bar or somewhere fun. But Scene Space, it's a very adult place. There's not really kids any age. You can go in, you can have a delicious like craft beer from around the world. You can have a whiskey, you can have a cocktail, see the beautiful people. That's the way. Day four, you're probably going to feel like a piece of crap because you've been out late. Get another massage and then go to the airport. Yeah, that's great advice. And you know what? I like the fact that you, you mentioned getting a boat down the river because I didn't specifically mention that, even though all of my stuff was over on that part of town. But like when I was teaching at Tamasa and I used to have to take the SkyTrain home, mm -hmm. home from Sapantaxin, just riding along the river on a, a public ferry boat is just a great sightseeing attraction. It's really relaxing. It's really nice. Yeah, I totally agree. And I like the fact that you picked Sukhumvit and I picked the old city and that just worked out perfectly. Yeah, and you know what? Going back to the boat trip, San Seb, or the river, and walking, to me, the, the place you eat, the place you get a massage isn't really important. It's about just watching life go by. And if you walk a bit, if you take a motorcycle taxi, if you ride a couple boats, you're going to see people from all ends of the economic spectrum. You're going to see all the weird, wild stuff. To me, that's the true key. So, man, this, this episode, I've had so much fun talking to you about this. And it's gone longer than we planned, but I think everyone listening probably gets the idea is that this is a place we really love. It's a super dynamic place. It's a super fun place, but it's also kind of complex, and one visit isn't going to do it. But I, I hope that you know some of these tips will serve you guys well. Yeah, you know what, and I think this is a really good episode for people to make sure that they go to our website and check out our show notes, because I think that, uh, you know, we said go to a rooftop bar, go to mm. a rooftop bar, go to a river bar. I, I think we really, uh, on our show notes, we'll have a, a list of the, all the places that we recommend, and we'll put together a, a couple of good Google Maps for people to really see their way around the city. Or you could just ignore us and download Greg's app and just do whatever <laughs> he says, because we trust him. Too. Yeah, Greg's app is a great one so you know greg's bangkok is is worth doing and you know trevor is the guy that generally does the show notes and you do a great job and do go and look at the show notes and and you know i didn't think about promoting past episodes and we didn't do it for the sake of promoting but we now have enough of a stable that you know go back listen to hustles and scams and and where to drink and so forth but um yeah i've had a great time i don't think i want to add anything else so thank you very much to listening to this particular episode three nights in bangkok we're going to carry on this theme and other cities. Um, so from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, this is Scott Coates saying farewell, and I'll turn it over to you, Trevor. Thanks a lot, Scott, and thanks, Greg, for being our sponsor, and, and thank you to all of the people outside in Bangkok that are going to entertain me tonight. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Angkor Thom and